to Eccentric Earth. I'm your host Amy Walker and joining me this week to delve into a story from history is my guest Han Birch. Hello! Hi, thank you for stepping in again Han and just so the viewers are aware this is stepping in at the last minute and saving the episode because you're our big hero. Well yeah well you know I've always wanted to be a superhero so if, if this if that's what it takes me sealing into your house at night and ruining your recordings then um, you know <laughs> this is just what I've got to do I guess. Uh, no, thank you for uh, stepping in and hopefully you'll enjoy this episode as much as you have previous ones. Yeah, maybe one day I'll actually be like, you know, properly invited on rather than just being told to fill in at the last minute. Never going to happen. <laughs> Karl Tanzler was born on February 8th, 1877 in Dresden, Germany. There is little information about his parents, although it is confirmed that he has one sibling, a younger sister. Carl was a bright and curious youngster, though childhood was unremarkable, with one notable exception. Later in life, he would refer to an incident in which he claimed that a long-deceased relative, Countess Anna Constantino von Kossel, visited him one evening. That's a good name. She revealed to him the face of a dark-haired girl who he believed would be his one true love. How did, did does it say how she revealed it to him? She, I mean, I'm imagining her pulling her own face off. Oh, that's horrific. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, if you're going to be a long-deceased relative and you're going to go and, like, you know, appear to somebody, you want to make it as dramatic as possible. You don't want to just go with, like, a Polaroid. As a young man, Carl displayed the ability to impress others, able to project a level of confidence which helped him to gain access to situations and opportunities that he should never have been given. Much like the contestants on The Apprentice, he had an impressive <laughs> resume where he boasted that he had nine advanced degrees. However, none of How this was true. How many advanced degrees? Nine. Right. And it was all bullshit. It was all bullshit. What did you say his name was? It's not Donald Trump, is it? <laughs> oh, if only this story was Donald Trump. <laughs> well, his family, you know, his ancestry is German. It could be one of his relatives. Okay, that's uh, that's quite disturbing, only because I know the whole of the story, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you still don't know what you're in for, so... No, no, I don't. No, I mean, he just seems like a bullshitter at the moment. But knowing you, it's going to be a wild ride. Oh, yes. <laughs> he held a variety of jobs, including boat building and an engineer. Some of these jobs allowed him the opportunity and means to travel frequently. He visited many countries, including Australia, India and Italy. While he was in Australia, World War I broke out. Because he was a German citizen, the government did not allow him to return home. Instead, he was placed in a prison camp. Carl was eventually placed in Trial Bay, a prison on the mid-north coast of New South Wales. Whilst at Trial Bay, he hatched a plan to escape in a sailboat that he made himself 
along with a fellow prisoner, though this plan never came to fruition. Okay, so so I mean, so he's a, he's a bullshitter and he says he's got qualifications that he doesn't have. Yeah. Um, but he's worked as an engineer, so he can't be. So he's got to be pretty smart. Um, mm-hmm. And he was a boat builder, so I guess building a boat to get off an island, not an island. Oh yeah, no, Australia is an island. <laughs> <laughs> Just a very big one. <laughs> it's a very big island. It's not. It's not a bad plan. Yeah. It's it's not outside the realms of possibility that he could, in theory, build a boat and escape. You know, yes, yeah. it's, it's possible. Luckily, he didn't have to. I mean, he'd, he'd have more chance of building a boat than I would, put it that way. International law at the time forbade prisoners from returning to their native country. So when the war ended, the government shipped him back to a clearinghouse in the Netherlands. Now in his 40s, Carl met a young woman named Doris Schaefer, who he would go on to marry and father two children with. But does she look like the horrific, torn-off face of his, of his dead ancestor? No, it is not the woman he saw in his vision. Oh, okay. So it's, it's not his one true love. So I shouldn't ship this couple then? I, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Carl continued to travel around the world, which put considerable strain on his marriage. In 1926, he moved to Cuba... And from there, he emigrated to the United States, settling in Florida, where his sister had previously moved. Did he bring his wife or did he just go, bye? Not yet. He's he's still there on his own at the minute. Okay. When he moved to America, he changed his name to Carl von Kossel and gave himself the title of Count. His family then joined him in America. So he's now Count Carl von Hossel. Von Kossel. Von Kossel, sorry. Yes, he took on the uh, surname of his long-dead ancestor who appeared to him in that vision. Ah, and also her title as well. Yeah, I guess if you're going to change your name, you know, give yourself a count. Yeah, why not? I mean, if you can get away with it, why not? And he's got the awesome German accent to go with it as well, so... Yes. Less than a year later, he would once again leave his family, this time moving to Key West in Florida, where he found employment as a doctor and a radiological technician at the U.S. Marine Hospital. I'm assuming that he really, really fudged his qualifications <laughs> at this point. Yeah, he has he has no degrees. Rather than them just going, you look like a good sort. Oh, you're a count. You can definitely be a doctor. <laughs> I think his appearance and the way he presents himself is a big part of how he managed to do this. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's that's that's it seems really easy to get a job in the 1930s. Well, I mean, I mean, not to be too topical about it, but apparently it's it's quite easy to pretend to be a U.S. citizen if you're Russian. I read the indictment this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Even in this day and age, you can you can steal social security numbers and pretend to be American. Uh, how times change. <laughs> yeah. After taking the job at the hospital, Carl maintained a relatively low profile and mostly kept to himself. On the twenty second of April, nineteen thirty. Carl met Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyos while working at the hospital in Key West. Elena was a local Cuban-American woman who had been brought to the hospital by her mother for an examination. Carl immediately recognised her as the beautiful, dark-haired woman that had been revealed to him in visions from his ancestor and instantly (gasps) fell in love with her. Instantly fell in love with her. As you would, because, you know, you've been nursing this, this picture since you were a child. Um, and there's no way that with age it would have faded at all and it was just a, a hot, dark-haired lady. 
that's there's no way that that's that's what happened i'm glad you're on board with it that's definitely not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> elena was born on july 31st 1909 in key west florida she was described as a strikingly attractive girl with luxurious dark hair and an appealing shyness well hang on a minute he got the job did you say he got the job in 1926 so she's not so she's 17 and he's 40 uh he is more than 40 at this point he is 53 and she's 21 did you say this would be 21 yes yeah oh well that's not that's not seedy elena was the middle of three daughters her father was a cigar maker and her mother a housewife elena had a beauty that didn't go unnoticed and had attracted her fair share of admirers. Early marriage was customary among the Cuban-American community, and she was married to Louis Mesa in 1926 at the age of 16. Oh, I don't know. I sent some. I sent some drama coming on if she's already if she's already married. Unfortunately, the marriage proved to be ill-fated. Shortly after Elena miscarried with the couple's child, Louis abandoned his young wife and moved to Miami. Wow, that's kind of rude. Well, look, she chose to have a miscarriage, you know, she'd have just stuck well, with yeah, it. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, as, as, yeah, okay. Yeah, fair, fair play. She did make that decision. So, yeah, I guess it's, she deserves to be, to be punished. Exactly. See, you, you get in all this, you understand what yeah. it's like. When Elena was brought to the hospital by her mother, it was determined that she was afflicted with tuberculosis, a disease generally considered incurable at the time. Yeah, I've seen I've seen Moulin Rouge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, this is going to take a this is going to take a tragic turn. She's 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 twenty one. She's already got tuberculosis. I mean, yeah. gosh, I better not get too invested in this couple either. Otherwise, I'm going to have my heart <laughs> ripped out. Convinced that saving Elena from certain death was his destiny, the love-struck <laughs> Carl persuaded the hospital to allow him to conduct his own experimental treatment on her using his false medical credentials to convince them. <laughs> I mean, oh, oh, you know, even people who have been through the years and years and years medical school kind of think twice about experimenting on. <laughs> I mean, I mean back 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 in back in the day if doctors hadn't hadn't had a new treatment, they would generally test it on themselves. That was how it worked because hmm. You know, they could that that was how little they were sure of success. They didn't want to harm any other people. He's now fallen in love, pretending to be a doctor, thinks he can save her life when people who are actual doctors can't save people's lives with tuberculosis. I mean he 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 doesn't lack confidence, does he? You know, he's not he's he doesn't have self esteem issues. Let's put it that oh, way. No, he's he's definitely confident in his own inabilities. Well, he, he no. I mean, he obviously he obviously has confidence that he can do it. He's not gonna. This is his beloved. He's not. You know, he's not gonna mess around on the off chance that he can cure her. He actually thinks he can. Yeah. So, do you think he can? I'm going. I'm not going to put my money on him. <laughs> Carl proceeded to administer a series of speciality treatments, consisting of homemade elixirs, herbs, and tonics of his own devising. Do you know what? I was half expecting you to say consisting of vigorous breast massages. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure that's how he applied the tonics. <laughs> <laughs> Lovingly loving strokes of the hair. <laughs> he 
He borrowed expensive hospital equipment without permission, including an x-ray machine, which he installed in Elena's home. (laughs) Carl created his own private hospital and laboratory in Elena's home and convinced her parents to allow him to move in to continue treating her. Do you think do you think her parents have like any clue that he's just completely like not well? Um <laughs> or you know, do do they do you think they're they're saying, Well, you know, he's this amazing doctor. He's giving my daughter such good care or if they're going, mm, there's something not right about this. There's some strange noises coming from my daughter's bedroom. Carl would shower Elena with expensive gifts, including jewellery and clothing. And even though she did not reciprocate his feelings, he constantly declared his undying love and devotion for her. He would even propose to her on more than one occasion. And she said no. Yeah. She said no, I think this probably is is a bit beyond the doctor-patient um, relationship. Oh, or, I don't know about that. you're 53. <laughs> Could you please stop touching me? Despite his relentless efforts, Elena died of tuberculosis at her parents' home on October 25th, 1931. Do you know what? Didn't see that coming. It's a real shock, isn't it? Yeah. I thought this was going to be a happy ending on more than one count. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the story. And that's the end of- <laughs> so he went back to the hospital, he gave the x-ray machine back and he was never heard of again. You know the story? Yeah. Well, I didn't like to say that I'd already heard it. Carl insisted on paying for all the funeral expenses and even hired a mortician to embalm Elena. Oh. He also persuaded her family to allow him to purchase a costly stone mausoleum for her. After the interment of Elena's body, everyone assumed that they could put this highly unusual episode behind them. Unfortunately, the doctor's behaviour only became more bizarre. Oh, no, is he going to... (laughs) Oh. What? Are you okay? I'm just I'm just a little bit concerned because I know back then that embalming wasn't like wasn't it, it, it was done but it wasn't done in all cases. Um mm. so the fact that he specifically paid so he paid for her to be embalmed he then paid for a mausoleum so she wouldn't be under the ground so she would be in a place where he could walk into. Um I'm just a little bit concerned that he doesn't think that this is the end of the relationship. I don't know what would give you that impression um well the fact that you picked the story (laughs) (laughs) okay i see what you're saying (laughs) i'm not i'm not calling you i'm not calling you a necrophiliac amy i'm just calling you twisted (laughs) (laughs) let's just get that straight (laughs) fine fine oh i have i have a very important question to ask is he carl with a k or carl with a c C. Oh, okay. It was a K, but he changed it to C when he moved to America. Oh, okay. So he's undercover evil because Carl's with K's are evil. Everyone knows that. Okay. Um, it's like Eric Eric with a K, also evil. <clears throat> and you've just lost me several listeners. Look, they know they're evil. If they can't <laughs> hack somebody, to, if they can't hack somebody, like, you know, outing them, that's not my problem. Don't give out my address. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, folks, it'll be in the show notes. (laughs) Carl owned the only key to Elena's mausoleum and used it to make regular visits. (laughs) How convenient that he owns the only (laughs) key. 
This carried on for two years, until rumours began to spread. These rumours caused the hospital to terminate his employment. I mean, you call them rumours, but... I'm sure there's nothing untoward going on. You've got to think that it was probably true. One evening in April 1933, Carl crept through the cemetery. He went to the mausoleum and opened Elena's coffin. He removed her body and took it through the cemetery to his wagon and transported it to his home. So he's now decided it's too far to travel to actually go and fuck her in the mausoleum. And he wants to have, you know, he wants to move in with her. But yeah. the mausoleum doesn't have doesn't have a kitchen. So exactly. what, what what's he going to do? He would go on to say that he removed her body at the insistence of Elena's spirit, who had started coming to him when he visited her graveside. Oh, yeah. Bla- blame the spirit. <laughs> She 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 was cold. She wanted to go home and be in my bed. Finally together again, Carl undertook extraordinary measures to prevent Elena's body from decomposing. He attached the corpse's bones together with wire and coat hangers and fitted the face with glass eyes. <laughs> As the skin decomposed, he replaced it with silk cloth soaked in a wax and a plaster of Paris mixture. When her hair fell out, Carl fashioned a wig from Elena's hair that had been given to him by her mother not long after her burial. I'm just... Is this, is this where Death Becomes Her is based on? <laughs> <laughs> he filled her abdominal and chest cavity with rags to keep the original shape and form. Oh! He then dressed her remains in stockings, jewellery and gloves and kept the body in his bed. Carl used copious amounts of perfume, disinfectant and preserving agent to mask the odour and forestall the effects of the corpse's decomposition. Well, I was I was just about to say that, you know, it's like you can do you can do various things to try and forestall the decom- decomposition. But but God, I mean, she's going to get a bit whiffy, dude. Yeah, but you get used to spells. So this continued for seven years. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got to assume that he's fucking it as well, right? <laughs> I mean, am uh, I the only one thinking that? That uh, he's. I'm sure I mean, the listeners I mean, are thinking it as well. <laughs> he's not. He's not just doing this for doing it for her sparkling personality at this point, or to you know be spooned at night. You've got oh oh dear. Okay, seven years. Yeah, disturbing rumours had continued throughout the community. People had observed him dancing with what appeared to be a giant doll through his window in the evenings. <laughs> oh, well, you know, okay. At least, you know, at least he's showing her a good time, taking her dancing. <laughs> he knows he can't take her out dancing. So, <laughs> you know, probably cooked a few candlelit dinners, made sure they had a proper date night. He's trying to keep he's trying to keep the relationship alive. And, exactly. you know, some some men should take a leaf out of his book, I think. That, you know, this is how you treat a lady right. Please no one take a leaf out of his book. <laughs> <laughs> Local residents suspected that the doll was actually Elena's corpse and that a doctor had stolen her from the graveyard. In October 1940, Elena's sister, Florinda, the only surviving member of her family, following the outbreak of tuberculosis, heard rumours that Carl was sleeping with the disinterred body of her sister. 
She went to his home and confronted him. She demanded that he take her to the mausoleum and show her Elena's body. When he refused, she said that she would go to the police. Rather than let her leave, Carl took her to the bedroom and pulled back the curtain in front of the bed, revealing Elena's body. <laughs> she's fine, look, she's just, she's just resting. She's just resting. She's fine, look, look. I'm just, I'm looking after her. I saw that there's no need to, there's no need to, to call the police. She's fine. It's Florinda, a brave move. <laughs> it's ballsy. Yeah. Florinda left the home and notified the authorities. Carl was immediately arrested. <laughs> Thank fuck for that. <laughs> she didn't go away and go, well, you know, at least, she, at least she's okay. <laughs> Carl was psychiatrically examined and found to be mentally competent enough to stand trial. He was charged with wantonly and maliciously destroying a grave and removing a body without authorization. Was necrophilia not illegal then? If it was, they didn't charge him with it, possibly due not to having evidence, I don't know. Um, that, that is, I guess, the only charges they could get him on. Yeah. The court heard that Carl had not only stolen the young woman's corpse and performed homemade repairs to the body, but the examinations of the body confirmed that Carl had frequently had sex with it. Yes, <laughs> well, okay, yeah. Because I'm going to say, I'm going to say back then, you know, I'm an advocate for safe sex, but if I'm fucking a corpse, I'm not going to wear a condom. <laughs> Carl had inserted a tube in her vagina in order for him to have sex with her. Inside the vagina, they found remnants of semen. Oh, 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 perhaps even more bizarrely, Carl had built his own aeroplane, which he planned to fly himself and Elena's body into the stratosphere so that, and this is a quote, the radiation from outer space could penetrate Elena's tissues and restore her somnolent form. Oh, OK, so they, so he doesn't think that she's going to come back to life, but she think, he thinks she will undecompose. I think he genuinely thought she'd come back to life. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because although he, I mean, it sounds to me uh, that it's it's monomania that although he can hold a conversation, you know, and stuff, he 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 obviously does have some delusion surrounding this woman, and maybe he honestly doesn't can't come to terms with the fact that she is actually dead. Maybe. Well, he is hearing her spirit talk to him as well. So, yeah, there I is guess that. in his mind, she's not really gone. But he didn't get as far as building the plane before he was before he was arrested. Oh no, he he built the plane. Oh, I mean, I'm 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 not advocating murder, but he probably would have been better off if he'd killed the sister. Yeah. Would you like to see a picture of the plane? I would love to see a picture of the plane. The listeners, this will be in the episode show notes if you're curious to see Carl's plane, or if you search for Carl Tanzler pl- aeroplane, you will find this on Google. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is um, interesting. <laughs> it, it it does look vaguely like a plane, but it does also look like it's built built from a washing machine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this this was definitely a homemade plane. <laughs> yeah. Aerodynamics, not really the not really the word. Carl's trial attracted overflow crowds and soon became a media sensation. Upon taking the stand, Carl was unapologetic. 
he simply declared his undying love and devotion for Elena. Unfortunately for the prosecution, the statute of limitation had expired for all the crimes that he had been committed due to the amount of time that he had had the body. The courts dropped what? all charges and Carl Tanza left the court a free man. Oh my God. So because the, he'd stolen the corpse so long ago. Yeah. So mutilation of a corpse, st- improper storage of a corpse, having sex with a corpse, they couldn't get him on anything. Nope. Oh He's my. completely free. So, and he went home to Elena, I, I'm guessing. No, no, they'd confiscated it. Oh, they'd confiscated yeah. it. Yeah, but, you know. Although, when he was leaving the court, he did ask if he could have Elena's body back. <laughs> or just be like, so just ask him for a friend. Where, where is she? Where is she now? Where are you storing her? And what's the security like? Um, um, you know, is it, are the locks easy to pick? Oh, no, I'm just asking for a friend. Just asking for a friend. Well, I can tell you what happened to the body, because this bit is so horrible. After the trial, Elena's body was put on public display at Yay! the Dean Lopez funeral home. <laughs> what is it about Americans wanting to display dead people? I don't know. The body was viewed by as many as 6,800 people. Each what? were charged $1 an entry. Um, did anyone take a photo? There are pictures of the body. Would you like to see the body? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Again, for the listeners, this is in the show notes. What, do, do, sorry, did that come across as a bit too eager? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure people will be hitting the show notes after this to check this yeah. out. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's, I mean. That's everything that he'd done to her. Yeah, but to be fair, that's not bad. I mean, it could be a hell of a lot worse. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I've just sent another picture, which is a close-up of the face, plus a picture of what Elena looked like before. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> I mean, yeah, he didn't do a very good job with the nose, did he? It's a bit wonky. And the, eye- the eyebrows are a bit... To be honest, if I had to pick between between the two, I would I would have the alive version. Oh, definitely, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Elena's body was eventually returned to her family. Her remains were buried in an unmarked grave in a secret location to prevent further tampering. So the bo- the body was obviously confiscated by the police. Yes. So then how did it then get put on display for money? He was making the money off of this. That was the funeral home. It was the funeral home, okay. Yeah, and then she was given back to her family. Well, that's nice. Eventually, after they after she after they'd made seven thousand dollars off her in the nineteen thirties. Oh, yeah. The facts of the underlying case and the preliminary hearing drew much media interest, most notably from the Key West Citizen and Miami Herald. It created a sensation among the public, both regionally and nationwide. I wonder if um, his ex-wife. Kind of at any point, <laughs> just kind of read the newspaper and went, fuck me, I had a lucky escape, didn't I? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because of the media coverage, the public mood was generally sympathetic towards Carl, who was viewed as an eccentric romantic. Um, I'm assuming that they left out some of the details of the case, if that was how he was then perceived. Um, no, the details were all there. 
but they described him as being deeply in love with this woman who died and he couldn't be apart from her so people just took the view of oh isn't that romantic even though you know a she wasn't interested in him even before he before she died that doesn't matter oh sorry sorry (laughs) i completely forgot women don't have agency sorry sorry (sighs) don't i look the fool (laughs) and yeah he's just You know, when you look at kind of the level of entitlement that some men have today about being with women and you think that this was actually spun as he was incredibly romantic because he couldn't let go rather than... He's fucking corpses. (laughs) Rather than, yeah. I mean, even, yeah, you know, creepy doesn't even begin to cover this. No, God, no. I tell you what I really want to happen. And I'm going to say this now, just in case, just in case it does, just in case it does. But I, I really need to, I really need to say this is I would absolutely love it if like five years later, he's walking down the street and he sees another woman and he's like, oh, no, fuck. That was the woman that the Countess <laughs> showed me. <laughs> oh, dear. In 1944, Carl moved to Pasco County, Florida, to be close to his sister. Did she then? Did she then move across the country to be far away from her brother? No, she um, supported him financially for the rest of his life. What? Yeah. I mean, I love my family, but I think I would have a hard time coming to terms with that. <laughs> this is this is my brother. He's a corpse fucker. This is my other brother. He's a vet. Clearly, you're not down with romance. No, no, I'm just a cold-hearted. I'm just cold-hearted, obviously, and I, I see, I, I don't, I don't see, um, you know, the the wonderfulness of this of this tragic love story. Exactly. I think we know who the real monster is here. Yeah, it's me. I know. <laughs> he wrote an autobiography of his life that appeared in Pulp Fiction in 1947. The book was well received. Have you read it? I have not. Are you going to? I can, I'm going to see if I can track it down, yeah. Yeah, can I borrow it when you're done? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because I really feel like I really need to know his side of the story. On this. <laughs> Separated from his obsession, Carl used a death mask to create a life-size effigy of Elena and lived with it until his death on July 3rd, 1952. Oh no! So even really early on, he got the. So even after just after she died, he got the mortician to do a death mask. Yep. So that oh, and I'm assuming that he drilled a hole in the effigy as well, so he could fuck it. <laughs> Probably. His body was discovered on the floor of his home three weeks after his death. Okay, so he obviously he wasn't close with his sister then. No. It has been reported that when his body was discovered, the effigy of Elena was in his arms. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I really did think that, you know, that it was going to be not just in his arms. It has been theorised by some that Carl had the body switched or that Elena's mora- remains were secretly returned to him after the trial and that he died with the real body of Elena, reuniting them in death. Oh... And that's the story of Carl Tanzler, the hopeless you, romantic. Hope, yeah, the the hope hope hopeless romantic who so loved a woman that he couldn't wait until she died so that he could fuck her for years. Because you know, call me cold hearted, but there's not a lot of companionship to be found in a corpse. 
I mean, I can't imagine that she was much of a conversationalist. Well, her spirit was there. Unless, so. unless he had like, <laughs> unless he had like, you know, he made he made one of those holes up her back so he could like make her talk like a puppet. Oh dear. <laughs> And this is and why you were second choice for this story. I was like, you know, going beyond the pale by saying that his dead ancestor had ripped their face off. And then I find out that, you know, wow. I mean, I'm sure he's not the I'm sure he's not the first person nor the last person to have sex with a corpse. He might be one of the most famous. Um, I guess time will tell. Why is that one of your is that one of your is that one of your ambitions? I, I just meant to see what episodes I find in the future. But, you know, <laughs> oh, okay. But if you want to go there, you know, fuck you. Um, well, I was just, I was just, you know, you know, if if I'm, I'm pretty sure that even if it wasn't illegal then, it's probably illegal now. Although I do kind of, I personally, uh, I'm, I'm just going to put this, I'm just going to put this out there. I, I subscribe to the David Mitchell opinion, which is if you want to fuck me after I'm dead, go, go at it. There's nothing left of me. I am just a shell. Um, so by all means. Okay, and that offers out there to anyone who likes it. If you I'm want not to email saying, into us, I can give me. you Anne's address. I have to be, you know, <laughs> you can't turn me from alive to dead in order to fuck me. That would that would not be playing fair. But um, in between my death and me going to be played played with by medical students, yeah, have your fill, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> Just make sure you wash me out afterwards. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Well, thank you for um, for stepping in and and helping with this episode. I hope <laughs> it hasn't been too much of a awful experience for you. <laughs> oh, it's been it's been it oh, that's that's <laughs> so wrong, so wrong. And uh, yeah, I've apparently come out as a necrophiliac sex toy. So you know, there's that. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, you can follow us on Twitter by going to at eccentric underscore earth. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for eccentric earth. And you can find us on Instagram under the same name. All of our social media platforms are kept up to date with news and information on upcoming episodes, as well as being updated with history facts every day. If you want to write into us with any suggestions for topics you'd like to see us cover, you can get in contact with us by using our email address eccentricearth at outlook.com you can find our show on all major podcast providers so make sure that you subscribe so you never miss an episode and if you like the joy if you like the show please leave us a review so thank you everyone for listening and thank you once again han for stepping in and experiencing this well you know i'm not entirely sure that i want to thank you but <laughs> <laughs> No, thanks, Amy, for having me. Um, it's been it's been fun as always. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. And thanks for listening. We'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye.